Welcome back to Turning Little Stones, where we take a fresh look at the fascinating world of young children. This is a topical listen, not just because Christmas is just a couple of weeks away, yikes, but because many of you and your friends and family will be thinking about maybe which nursery to choose, which primary school to apply for, any major decision that really affects your children. It's frankly quite daunting. Now this is the second podcast on this subject and this time I've come to meet Eddie and Wendy Hepper who have a pretty unique experience because they've been involved with mainstream education, private education and home education and they share some real nuggets of wisdom. Together the two podcasts will be so helpful For those of you who are making and needing to make the best choices for you and your family. So enjoy. So today I'm here with Eddie and Wendy Hepper in their beautiful setting, an education centre in deepest, darkest Suffolk, but actually very close to Bury St Edmunds. And um, you're going to help us, I believe, unpack a little bit more about the choices that parents actually have to make for their children. Uh, I suppose in this context it's about choices about school and um, yeah, whether to educate from home or, or elsewhere. Um, and, and yeah, it's just part of that wider conversation which is going on in every family at the moment, I'm sure, for children who are about to start school. So thank you for inviting me here, both of you. I'd just love you to tell the listeners something about your story, a little bit about your background, how you got into this. Uh, I know you're both parents. Um, Just just a little bit of your backstory. So um, I um, have a background in the arts. I did a history of art degree and worked uh, in a London gallery for four or five years. And then I was at home bringing up my four sons. Um, I later in life worked in a nursery and trained in Montessori, which was a big part of the change into what we do now. And I can see the creative influence in this space. It's just filled. Um, It's not over overly busy, but it is filled with children's creations actually yeah i can see that so i'm um i've been in education for 33 years now um and i've been in state education independent education and then we've set this up uh nearly 10 years ago and um i was a class teacher primary education um i was deputy head for a long time in two schools and i've been acting head as well um and we then sort of jump ship out of mainstream education into doing this ourselves, which is um, quite different and most enjoyable. So no regrets? None at all, absolutely. No, I mean, it's the the last nine years of, nearly 10 years of doing this is really the most creative and uh, fun part of the education background that I have. Fantastic. Lovely. So it sounds to me as though you brought up your own children before you got 
you've segued into what you're doing now, the, the Creative Education Centre. That, that's right. We, we didn't um, home educate our own children. They went through um, state schools. The youngest one was the only one that went into a Montessori setting. And that, that was very special for Eddie because he, he worked with alongside our youngest son. Um, but the one time we did do something a little bit out of the box was we did take them out of school for two months uh, when they were 12, 10, 8 and almost 2 and travelled around New Zealand with them. Wow. Um, just with a tent and we hired a minibus and that was an incredibly creative and wonderful family time and adventure. Amazing. And actually schools, many schools would potentially frown on that because you're missing out on their education, two months of education possibly. I think it would certainly be a problem now. Um, but back then, uh, a couple of the, well, there were two head teachers we were dealing with. Both of them said, um, I can't let you do this, but um, can I come with you? Um, to which we said no. But um, it was quite interesting. I think now the rules have rather changed. I think it'd be much more difficult to do that. But we're talking about back in 2006, so it's quite a while ago. It was a very formative time for our, our boys, and they still talk about that experience of just being out of mainstream school for a prolonged period of time and doing something very different and allowing them to think differently and that that has always sort of it, it shaped us as well and allowed us to think that maybe we could do something different that life didn't have to just be on one trajectory absolutely absolutely thank you so you've You've taught in mainstream, you, you educated your own children, mainly in mainstream, and yet you've segued into something very distinctive. Uh, can you describe what you're doing here? Um, yes, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called uh, so, the Creative Education yeah. Centre. So we, yeah. we are the Creative Education Centre. We set up in 2000, uh, 2014. And uh, so we are for primary age children. We are uh, we are a part time setting. So the children only come to us for uh, under fifteen hours a week. Um, all the children who come have to be home educated because, as an uh, as a setting, we are an add on to the main education that the parents give to the child. Okay. We're not the main education. We're not allowed to be that. Yeah. Um, and, and just on a point of kind of technicality, the government, I think rightly so, don't allow that to happen without being regulated in some way. If we were giving the main education, they'd want to be, see what we're doing. So we are um, mixed age. Uh, so we get take primary age from the age of five. Uh, we don't take in the early years, um, but we do take them after they're five. Um, we're Montessori-based. And that's our, that's the, the main ethos for what we do. But we are creativity and uh, visual and performing arts is really important to us uh, because uh, we think that's vital for any child um, as they grow up and any adult. And I think keeping creativity alive in children mm. in education is absolutely top priority. And it often is just squeezed out of... The, the school timetable and the, with the pressures of the national curriculum, isn't it? Yes. I mean, 
um, there's not. I don't think there's enough time given to um, to creative arts and um, creative aspects of education. Really, at the moment, I mean, we're we're we're, we're not trying to be a replacement for school. Our boys went through school successfully. Um, they usually enjoyed it. It was good for them. And we're not saying that school is the wrong choice. We're actually saying there are different choices. And we're, what we set up to be was to be something different from that for those who either want it or sometimes also need it. I think part of um, the, the setting up of what we what we have here came from a, a wider debate about what education really is and um, whether children needed to learn in a particular way to get the best out of them. The way we teach is the children have their own learning plans and we would go around um, individually uh, helping those children with their own learning. A lot of the choices of learning comes from their own ideas. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we have to cover uh, all the basics as well. Um, and then the environment is entirely different. So what we're trying to create is a place where the children feel this is their home, this is their space. They help um, clean it with us every day. They sweep the floors, clean the tables after uh, we've eaten lunch together. Um, care for the fish and help clean the fish tank, water the plants and the garden. We, we'd have gardening sessions. So it's very much, if we make changes, we will consult the children. It's their space, not a teacher's space. They, they own it with us. And therefore that affects behaviour within that space, we believe, in a positive way. And um, the, the last thing is the materials that we use. They're very useful for explaining concrete ideas before children move on to a more abstract way of learning. So it's very hands-on, sensorial, kinesthetic. Yeah, it reminds me of dear old Aristotle. There was, there's nothing in the intellect that wasn't first in the senses, Yes, he said. So, yeah, that sort of hands-on yeah. exploration of, of, of learning. Fascinating. I think it's very easy with so much very good technology around to believe that you can do things all through technology. Um, but I do think that people remain the same. They're still physical beings, and to actually move and to handle and to touch uh, will never go away. And if that's reduced down to just touching screens or, or touching something technological, that actually will remove a whole lot of um, basic learning that children really need from right from the start which they might get perhaps in in the early years stages of education but that can quite quickly be um, eliminated almost entirely by what is very good visual images but they're not tactile tactile experiences which um, we've done a couple of podcasts in season one on heuristic play um, um, we probably need to do some more on that for the older children as well, discovery sets, and then moving on to how that feeds into to learning. So, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, let's see. So you've explained roughly the ages um, that you're an add-on. You must have a lot of conversations with parents, and I'm, I'm 
expecting the listeners or lots of listeners to this podcast to be in that zone at the moment of whether it's this year or, you know, a year or two ahead, they're beginning to think about schools, which choices to make, um, talking to other parents, talking to relatives um, about which school they went to. And I'm just beginning to feel that anxiety that they're, they're making the right decision for their children. My guess is if you're you've got children who are educated from the home environment and you're the add-on you've you've you're involved in a lot of those conversations um yes we are i mean parents come to us frequently um talking to us about um well a lot of people come to us will say i i'm starting the the journey of home education um, and we foresee needing some external input into that process. Some people will say, I've hit a wall in my home education. Can you give us a bit of help with this? Sometimes people just come for advice and say, um, I, what do you think about X, Y or Z? And that also is something that we, we sometimes do. We have children um, come to us at various points as well in their in their education. So some children um, are coming right from the very beginning, age five. So they will have had some t- time already, perhaps in, a, in a, a nursery setting or solely at home, but with other home educating families and groups, because that's the thing. Most home educating families operate in networks. So we need to debunk this thing straight away that home educated children are solitary and alone they are not they this is not online learning this is home education so they're they're in whole networks of groups that will meet in forest school environments at museum outings um, they share knowledge as parents i mean we have huge respect for this community it wasn't what we chose for our own children although i did consider at one point for one of my children who was very creative and didn't really enjoy the school setting but i wasn't brave enough there was there wasn't all this information that you can you can get now um so i think sometimes um families know from the outset that they've enjoyed the early years with their their children and so they want to continue on that path but we also have families come whose children are just, for whatever reason, not happy at school, uh, maybe because of learning issues. The, um, the, usually it's, the, it's pressures, uh, pressures of assessment um, and time pressures. And so they're, they're wanting to slow things down. And it may be that they're looking to home educate just for a short period, a year or two. And we have had families that have come to us for a year or two and then their child has successfully and happily gone back into mainstream education so there's a whole variety of uh, ages and re- you know, reasons why why people come into a setting like ours no i think that's really really important there's a lot of fear about letting your children go and be independent in a school environment would you say I think, um, you know, in many parts of the world, children start formal school a lot later. In the Southern Hemisphere, it's seven from seven 
upwards and the same in some European countries. Scandinavia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in Scandinavian countries. The fact that children in England are expected to start as young as four, um, for some children is just deeply traumatic and parents have that whole experience of having to, to, as you say, let their children go into to someone else's hands when perhaps that child is not quite ready for that. So um, that's another reason why sometimes parents will want to, to, to delay that start. I think there are things that um, in society, yes, are not um, something that everyone would want for their children. I think we'd all agree that, yep. you know, soci- society is not, a, a, is not a, always a beautiful thing. But we are in society and we have to learn to live in society. And if we don't teach our children to do that, if we try and remove children from social opportunities, they never learn to be social people. Um, and I think it's really important not to withdraw children entirely from society, which is sometimes the tempting thing to do. Well, I won't have anything to do with society because society might hurt them. We have to learn to, to we have to allow children to learn to uh, go on longer, longer lead into society mm-hmm. and and face the challenges that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found this with our boys, you know, our, our own children, mm-hmm. um, and that they it won't always be lovely, but always being there for them, always being available to talk through, encourage. Um, and to understand the kind of issues that they are dealing with within school, within um, workplace and later on within their relationships as they go through uh, are, is absolutely vital. I couldn't agree more, yeah. And and there are all sorts of fears. So we've just been through a pandemic, global pandemic. You know, you've got fears in those early days of them returning to school or, or, or to nursery? I think, I think one of the things that some parents understandably feel is um, an issue about going into school is that it's a very regulated place and not always regulated in people's opinions for the better. So regulated in terms of time so there are time slots allocated um, in terms of um, peer pressure regulates children's behaviour for better or for worse. Um, regulates in terms of testing. So testing will will form a lot of educational thinking, um, or at least it will not form it, but it'll direct it. Um, and that those things are sometimes what people will say, I don't want this for my child. And I think as as you're thinking through whether you want to send your child to school or not, thinking about whether or not I can provide something that's more creative, that's better, and is sustainable over the long term, and that I think is really important, if you're thinking about home education, that it's not just something, you know, dog's not just for Christmas. You, the The child... And home education is not just for the short term. If you're going to do it, you have to have a strategy and know why you're doing it. And that's a really good question that we sometimes ask and parents sometimes say, oh, that's an interesting question. You've you've asked us why we're doing it. 
the motive, what is your motivation for thinking about home education and can I practically sustain it? Do I have ways of generating income streams that I can use to make this happen while educating my child are all things that need to be thought through. Thank you for that. We're going to actually put that, I'll put that down in the show notes as questions that people can ask themselves. That, that's really pertinent. Thank you. I think what we, we always say when um, parents get in contact with us is we're a very small setting, really quite tiny in the scheme of things, um, and that school for most people is, is fine. Children find their way, um, they might have their struggles, life has its struggles, you know, but for most children um, they get a, a very good learning uh, experience. But it's for those children that for some reason or other are not thriving in a school setting that I think home education also comes into its own. And um, for a child that is really unhappy at school, um, is very anxious or um, just um, is not managing because of something like dyslexia or um, yeah, ADHD, the additional movement, need, yeah. all, all the additional mm. needs. Mm. Um, school can be a, a really traumatic experience. And as a parent, watching your child go through that or become a school refuser what do you do Um, and so I think although we're not a special needs centre we the approach that we have which is slowed down quiet environment using quiet voices where children are allowed time to get into deep learning um, in a in a in a morning because they're not restricted to now we're swapping over to doing a geography lesson or we're all going to have um, a break time you know at the same time we have a much more of a rolling uh, morning and that allows children to to learn at a different pace um, and to not be in fear and not not be anxious and so then they can really engage thank you and and i love what you're saying is is for most children mainstream school is fine that's right and even the regulations which we were talking about beforehand they are important when public money is concerned you know there has to be some regulation so that public public money isn't squandered um but some it's how the schools manage that in a way that doesn't you know bring down the pressure upon the children yeah Thank you. Yeah, good. I am sure this is um, something you could talk about for ages, but perhaps you've got some good news stories to tell us about children who arrived um, needing you and and maybe how they've left or, or the transformation that's taken place. Yes, of course. I mean, we've, we love having children coming through the door and being part of this community and we really do set up as a community we want it to be like a small family well actually quite a big family but small in terms of education setting um, I mean we have children coming to us as we as we said for all sorts of reasons um, but one of the things that we absolutely love is when a child comes in in some sort of state of stress or anxiety and we give them time and we allow them just to kind of 
cool down, as it were, from that and to de-stress. So, I mean, some children might come to us who have maybe bad experiences of school. Um, And if they do that, then we will allow them to to kind of have very uh, slow introduction to what we do. So we are very unregimented in that way. I'm thinking of several children who've, who've come in that way. Uh, really quite anxious about life in general, but particularly about a setting where they come to. And it's a new transition. You know, if they've been to school, that's been a transition. It hasn't mm. worked well for them. Mm. You're not a school, but you are a setting, and, and it's another transition. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know from being a teacher within mainstream that it's very, very hard to cater for every child, I think, hand on heart every teacher would say if I have a class of however many children 25 30 or 30 plus sometimes um, you can't you can't really know and cater for every child so what we can do within 16 children is we are on a ratio of one approximately one to five one to six children one adult to six we have a teaching assistant with us as well yes so she she's with us too so we have um Children, I can think of children who've been here who want to do far more creativity. So our challenge in that, and part of one of, I think, one of our successes is to be able to see what children need um, very closely and to be able to direct their kind of interests. So we've got, at the moment, I'm just thinking we've got several children who want to draw. So we want to say, okay, so how can we bring language into that? How can we bring writing, some sort of writing into that, using the kind of skills that they want to do? Whereas we got also got some fanatic readers. <laughs> if you leave them to sort of read all day, that's great. But we, we can then think, how can we make something out of that? Or how can, how, how can you kind of record it in some way? Or how can you bring something else out of that? And that's really rewarding because those children go, oh, yes, I could do that, couldn't I? And they then feel really good about it. And that's an absolute delight to see. So you're bringing in all areas of the curriculum, starting with their their interest, their natural inclination. Yes, as much as we're capable of doing so. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, we we teach um, very topic-based but bringing out of that uh, area of learning all sorts of different um, mm. Mm. subjects. Yeah. Um, and But I think for the children, um, the creativity, it's not just about doing drawing, painting, drama for self-confidence, and you know, those sorts of things. It's about a creative way of thinking and approaching life. It's about um, thinking philosophically and also being allowed to... Um, to sometimes be um, the adult in a situation, have to think uh, for a group. So we do something called micro-adventures once a term where we'll give them a challenge, an envelope with um, a challenge written on it, and they have to, as a group, fulfil that challenge together. We're not allowed as adults, unless it's a health and safety (laughs) thing, to step in at all, which is actually quite hard to do sometimes. because they have to discuss and often argue their way into how they're going to solve this challenge. They're usually challenges uh, outside the classroom. And this is across age groups as well? Yes, mixed age groups. So it's not the very youngest ones, it's seven and up, seven to 11 for this. Um, 
And it just is a way of getting them to be in charge and to be responsible for themselves. Um, so creativity is not just about drawing and painting no, no, no. and crafts and those sort of things. It's so much broader in educational terms. It's the way we think. It's practical life, um, solving problems. And I think a lot of people who are incredibly creative are also may have particular learning blocks which um, may stop them from thriving in, in any setting. They may, they may need a particular kind of setting, and home education can be that for them. So, you know, some of the, as we know, some of the very creative people around in the world uh, are or have been um, perhaps highly dyslexic, or perhaps they might be somewhere on the autistic spectrum. Um, it doesn't mean that they're lacking intelligence or they're lacking creativity. It just perhaps is that they're not in a setting which really brings the best out in them. I mean, one of the real things that we love to see and one of our, what we now can see having done this for nearly 10 years, is that the children who move on from us to, do tend to thrive even when they go in, in, either back into or enter mainstream education. So, you know, the, the, one of the oldest children that we've taught is now in university, having been through GCSEs and A-levels and is now doing very well and enjoying university. Um, and another, other children who've been through, and we've had one who, who actually was, was mildly on the autistic spectrum and has been through GCSEs, has moved to another part of the country and has really done extremely well um, in GCSEs. I mean, really over the odds well. So we, we, we're pleased that actually this approach does not hinder um, the, their sort of prospects, educational prospects. It, it actually seems to enhance it and allow them to be who they are and to relax into the, the personal and character that they are. I think having high standards for the children and expectations is um, something which people don't always imagine goes with that home ed community because of the more relaxed approach but actually that it's the opposite in order to go on that path parents have often thought long and hard about what education is and have at really high aspirations for their children wanting them to have perhaps a, a, a different way but a wider view of life with more travel with more um, experiences that you wouldn't get if you were in a classroom all the time so it's it's a higher it can be a very high achieving environment as well any cautionary words I think you've mentioned a couple of things but any sort of cautionary words about those who are considering home ed I think you've mentioned um, being in it for a period of time it doesn't have to be long term but you're talking about maybe a couple of years at least that you, you you're buying into that commitment um, but would you say there are any other cautionary points you want to just alert people well bearing in mind that we haven't home educated our own children mm -hmm. so far be it from us to tell people how to home educate their children however from our experience of looking at home educating families, the, the best advice I think I'd probably give would be to go in with your eyes open. Don't just roll into it because it's a, perhaps a, 
a, a reaction to not wanting to do something. Yeah. I think it shouldn't be a, a an, as it were, a kind of a rollback from something else. It should be a deliberate choice to do home education. Yeah. Uh, am I going to home educate yeah. because I'm choosing to home educate yeah. rather than home educate because I'm choosing not to send them to school because I don't want them to be at school? So that's, I think, is is probably my best advice. Perfect. And yeah, on that, before we move on, I, I'd also say, you know, if you visited your local primary school and you've gone, ugh, I don't like that, it might be worth exploring that with that school or going to a neighbouring school before you, you jump and go, do you know what, I'm going to, oh, this is terrible, I want to just go down the home education route. That's right. And I, I think as well, it, just examining yourself um, for your reasons for um, thinking about this, because sometimes our own experience of school can really colour the way we then think about school for our, for our children. Um, but actually, one thing we've observed is sometimes parents and children are on a different page and we have had um, children who've who've said I want to go back into school uh, for the next stage when a parent might think I'm not sure if that's what I want for them Um, so really listening to your child um, but at the same time (laughs) a child changes constantly in terms of development so you have to look ahead at what's at what's coming and um, you know we have found with some families that that, uh, they, as Eddie mentioned before, about hitting a bit of a block where a child suddenly isn't wanting to do what mum and dad are asking them to do. You're going to have to get through those, you know, how are you going to approach that? If particularly you have quite a willful child and a willful child is wonderful. We've had willful children where that strong will can be really moulded for good and for perseverance and all sorts of things. But you're going to have to work with that in terms of being a teacher of your child. <laughs> it reminds me, actually, I, I listened to a podcast elsewhere um, during the pandemic and somebody was, obviously there's a lot of homeschooling at that time, wasn't there, because they had to. And, and a mother said, ah, um, oh, this was going to be straightforward. You know, I'm a trained primary teacher. Yeah, just, just you know, dust off the old, the old books and it'll be fine. And she said, I became a monster. <laughs> I didn't become a mum. Yeah, I, I stopped being mum. I just became a monster to my children. I, I think that's, I think, I, think the, I think the experience in COVID was actually, I think Wendy meant, has mentioned this already, but the experience in, please don't think, because it didn't work very well in COVID times, it's not going to work very well in future. COVID times was online learning enforced, um, often with other stressful situations around it. Home education as a choice can be rich, um, full of possibilities and highly rewarding if it's done well. Thank you, Eddie. That perfect balance. Lovely. Thank you very, very much. We normally, I think we're drawing to an end. Uh, It's been fascinating. It's beautiful to be here. Um, I wish you, I know you've got a waiting list, so you're not after 
promoting what you do, but if there is anywhere like this in your neighbourhood, if you are partly considering home educating yourself, um, certainly do look it, look it up. But just before we finish, Turning Little Stones is really about giving carers a chance to look at something from a different perspective. So what key message, maybe just one, would you give families now who are making the choices, feeling their way towards making a choice to school? Um, I think you'd mentioned how much you know about your child, Wendy. You talked about that. and um, it's one of the reasons why we've produced Delving a Little Deeper and the first set is getting to know you, which is about getting to know your child and your child's needs will evolve. So, so that, is, that is crucial. So what key message might you have for parents making choices in the context of their family and their own child and, and what needs they're presenting, but also the wider context of the family? Um, any key message? I think my my key message probably would be if you're going to home educate your child mm-hmm. and if you've made that decision to do that, then be prepared to work with your child Lovely. over the education. Rather than being over-prescriptive or perhaps under-prescriptive, work with the child. So you're guiding the child in their education, you're you're finding ways to get them involved in the choices you make over how you educate and what you learn about those kind of things are, are really important. I think giving children no guidance or little guidance is doing them a disservice because every child does have a right to a good education and that's enshrined in the United Nations Rights of the Child. And I think we as carers need to take that seriously So working with the child, getting the child involved in all that education, not dictating too much, but um, giving them all those opportunities is a definite yes in my book. What perhaps some people might describe as unschooling or um, letting the child really do what they want is not something we would do at Creative Education Centre. And personally, this is my personal opinion, I wouldn't recommend that as a strategy for home education. Great closing comment. Thank you, both of you, Wendy and Eddie. Um, Hats off to you. Really admire what you're doing here. I know these children have a very fortunate experience here. So so bless you. Thank you. And um, yeah, to our listeners... Maybe head over to listen to Getting to Know You in Delving a Little Deeper on the Turning Little Stones website um, because that will help in this working with that Eddie's just been talking about. But thank you for listening. Thank you for having me here. Thank you very much, Caroline. You're welcome. So thank you again to Eddie and Wendy for concluding these two conversations on the choices we make for our children. Please do share them with anybody for whom you think they might be relevant. We're now taking a short break over Christmas, but there are some great episodes, earlier episodes to listen to, and each one has its own set of show notes, all available on our website, 
www.turninglittlestones.co.uk and you can also check out Delving a Little Deeper there. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing your likes, your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're going to be back in January with a really exciting episode, which I actually can't wait to share with you. But for now, we wish you and your families a joy-filled and very 